You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. This edition of It's My Money is brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, your partner for global wealth creation. It's Tuesday, so it's time for It's My Money with Brenthurst Wealth. And with me from Brenthurst Wealth in the Western Cape today is Aidan Freswick. And we're going to talk about COVID-19, Aidan. I mean, I know it sounds like a long and drawn out subject that we shouldn't be talking about and putting it behind us. But unfortunately, because of Mr. Ramaphosa's speech last night and because of what's happening in Europe, particularly in the United Kingdom and also the Netherlands, other countries as well, but those two are close to me, we really have to take a closer look at it again. I mean, it really has been, as you say in your piece, you say it's like a hurricane and has left no place untouched. I think that was very well put. Oh, good afternoon, Lindsay, and to your listeners as well. Thank you. Um, I think I think there's no doubt that this year has definitely been one for the history books. And um, I think everyone was certainly at the edge of their seats, um, you know, in hope for a vaccine to be developed, um, you know, trialed and tested um, and just made available to the public. And we heard last night in uh, um, Ramaphosa's speech that, um, you know, vaccines will be made available um, probably next quarter um, just to cover at least 10% of the population as, as to begin with. Now, that's some good news, Lindsay. Um, mm. You know, it's, it's, it's a good start, um, sort of um, the, the, the light of the end of the tunnel um, as, as we had such a, um, such a dark year to call it. Now, Everybody sort of knew that, um, you know, they would be able to have some sort of normal lives once a vaccine was actually tested um, and made available. Um, you know, and, and before that happened, there's certain restrictions that they had to be put in place. Um, we went into some form of lockdown, but we will unpack all those details um, during this topic as well. Yeah, I think the first thing is when a country comes under pressure or is doing well, the first thing that uh, really gives you an indication of its wellness or otherwise is the exchange rate. I mean, look at the RAND. I think it was um, the third or fourth week in March, Aidan. It went to 1935 against the US dollar. And this, in the last couple of weeks, this month, it, it came down yeah, well, below it, below 15. What an extraordinary performance. Indeed. Um, and unfortunately, we have to talk about some negative first, um, you know. Like everything else, we have to talk about um, sort of where we where we come from in order to best position ourselves to go the way forward. Now, just a couple of things um, that happened this year, just to uh, just to uncap, um, we actually experienced a financial crisis. Um, and I think before we we do anything else, let's just just define what that actually means. Uh, it's generally a, a, a period where investors um, sell off their investments because there's quite a fear for the unknown. They don't know what's going to happen. Um, as soon as news you know, got released this year that um, the virus was spreading in all parts of the world, there's, there, was this, there was a fear that was instilled in investors. Um, and as a result, they sold off their positions in their markets um, and to an extent where we could actually see the JSE that lost um, more than 12% of its of its value. And, um, of course, there were some U.S. stocks that actually lost um, just more than 7.5% of its value and was recorded the, you know, one of the worst um, trading days in Wall Street um, since the historical financial crisis of 2007-2008. And you mentioned the U.S. dollar exchange rate as well, which is one of the factors that, um, you know, also stood out um, among its among the rest, um, is that the U.S. dollar actually depreciated to above um to, to above 19, sorry, the, the South African rand to, to be corrected. Yes. Um, and this was where in, investors sold off uh, emerging market currencies 
Um, and, and the reason I talk about the U.S. dollar specifically is that if you look at the major currencies, you know, the pound and the euro and the U.S. dollar, um, we've seen over time, um, over a long period of time, that the, the U.S. dollar um, and, and the South African rand, you see the most sort of depreciation there um, over a last pe- long period of time. So we always usually refer to the U.S. dollar um, sort of giving us an indication of, of the extreme volatility in terms of um, our, our local currency versus um, the U.S. dollar. Also, there was uh, some devaluation in the stock market as well. Um, and uh, if you woke up on the 9th of March, you would have seen that um, um, all over the news headlines, there was a so-called Black Monday. Um, and as I just mentioned before, we saw the JSC lo- losing value. Um, U.S. stocks lost quite a bit of value. Um, and there was also a decreased demand for stock markets, um, stock market investments as a result of the fear of the unknown. And um, I think I think another important thing, I think this one is quite close to home for many, um, is that the, the unemployment, um, unemployment rate was at its highest um, in South Africa. And um, Lindsay, you don't need to look very far. I think we all know at least one person that um, pretty much lost their job um, or a small business owner, um, you know, having to close its doors and, and even large organizations as well. Um, you know, COVID-19 just had quite a um, tremendous impact on their business. Um, and, of course, part of the restrictions was that um, COVID-19 placed the employment market in some form of lockdown. Um, some countries more harsh than others, but um, overall, this actually limited economies to produce goods and services. Um, you know, we saw some sectors were able to enjoy, you know, working from home, um, and other sectors, you know, like your restaurant and tourism industry, uh, you know, was completely left without any form of income. And, um, you know, as a result, we saw the highest employment rate since 2009 in South Africa at, um, you know, pretty much above 30%. I think it was about 30.1% in quarter one. Um, and that's a huge number, Lindsay. Um, you know, just put into perspective how many people um, are looking for jobs um, but just cannot find. It's a massive number. Um, and just to interrupt you, Aidan, I think the thing is, will these jobs ever be recovered? And that is the thing, because I think a lot of companies have said to themselves, they're not using it as an excuse to cull people, if you like. But there are certain companies that won't reopen and there are certain jobs that won't be reopened as a result of that. So although we have uh, we might get vaccines, the fact is that some companies will not be able to cull come back in, into business, whether it be a pub or a, a restaurant or a small manufacturing facility, whatever it is, they've lost uh, they've lost their businesses and they haven't got the resources to get back. So some of these jobs are gone forever. Absolutely. And I think that um, everybody was, you know, quite nervous about the uh, president's speech last night. Um, and, um, you know, the worst result could have been and our, our economy absolutely would not survive if we went into another form of lockdown. Um, and, and these, you know, restaurant and tourism businesses had to um, actually close again. And they just wouldn't wouldn't make it. Um, and, you know, there were a couple of companies that, that ran themselves quite sustainably um, that, uh, you know, could still reopen after the lockdown. Um, but pretty much if if we went into another lockdown, you know, they just wouldn't have made it, um, as you actually point out. Let's have a look at now the future, because although there's a mutant virus apparently in the United Kingdom, which might not be easily controlled by the current vaccines, we don't know yet. But anyway, that's the headlines on all the UK newspapers. So maybe that will spread to the rest of the world as well, if indeed it is a, a real story. But there is a vaccine. The vaccine will be rolled out. It'll be slow. Uh, but what stocks and what economic activity will be revived by the fact that vaccines are there, do you think? 
Well, I mentioned a few effects that, um, you know, were caused by the, the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, and those examples are quite few, but also critical in understanding the impact, um, you know, that it had on the, on the you know, the global global market. Um, but there's always a bright side. Um, so there were first talks of a vaccine in South Africa, um, you know, on the 23rd of June, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and that was published by the South African Medical Research Council. And um, November, we saw um, quite a bit of news um, that vaccines were actually, um, you know, being rolled out and tested. Um, and we saw a few vaccines of a few companies being more than 90% effective. Now, that is, that is substantially large um, as, as an effective rate because the World Health Organization actually um, set the benchmark at 50%. Now, if your vaccine was uh, more than 50% effective, um, you know, it's, it supersedes, the, you know, what the World Organization actually set out. Now, just besides the um, health benefits of the vaccine, um, I think we should just talk about um, what's happening in the overall markets. Um, yeah. And I think maybe just as a disclaimer, you know, this is purely opinionated um, and you shouldn't, you know, bet the whole house on this. But this is just sort of what we are seeing as news becomes available about a successful vaccine. You know, we just sort of seen um, some reaction in the markets as well. Um, and I think let's just talk about um the uh, stock and commodity market um, to begin with. So I think that as successful vaccines become available um, and more importantly accessible, it's possible to see that investors might um, demand more, uh, you know, stocks and commodities. Um, and of course, once the demand for stocks and commodities increase, um, generally the stock prices actually increase simultaneously. And what this means for investors is that any capital invested into these stock markets would actually benefit from the increase in the prices of the stocks going up um, as as the value of the investments would actually uh, grow over time. Um, and uh, just a good example that in November, since we are, are speaking about November and when we saw um, vaccines become available, um, is that the JSC actually produced double-digit returns. Um, and that's the first time it actually produced double-digit returns in a single month since um, 2013. In RAND terms, uh, so of course, but see, it, it is in RAND absolutely, terms. Absolutely, in, yeah, in, in RAND terms. So, uh, you know, that's quite a quite a significant change in, in the local stock market. I mean, you know, we've always been eyeing the JSE um, and, and always mentioning the fact that the returns haven't been um, haven't been favourable for for the investors at this moment. Um, but we've seen, you know, double-digit returns in November, and we're yet to see what uh, December and the future holds as well. And I think, um, secondly, as uh, very importantly as well, is that um, if we talk about investor confidence, um, you know that. As financial advisors, we always um, encourage clients to, um, you know, pretty much take a holistic view of their finances. A lot of clients ask us, um, you know, I've got a million rand now. Where do I invest it? I want to invest it offshore. But I think we just need to take a step back and understand, you know, that um, um, investing is not that simple. And one needs to, um, you know, take a holistic view um, of a client's uh, portfolio and profile um, and to, to guide them to make the, um, the correct decisions. So, in terms of investor confidence, um, a successful vaccine, um, you know, could possibly influence uh, a lot of investors in the foreign market um, to invest in South Africa. Um, and in theory, um, you know, if foreigners come into, come into South Africa 
and actually you know set up businesses uh, profit generating businesses um, you could see that the demand for skilled and unskilled labor um, could actually increase now what this does effectively is it actually um, you know, contributes to decreasing the unemployment rate, mm-hmm. um, which of course is um, very favourable for our economy as well. Um, so generally, investors are, are willing to take more risk um, as soon as they see there's a vaccine that's available. Um, you know, it's accessible to those who need it. Um, they might just be willing to take more risk into our economy, which we need to be in a better, um, which would actually result in a better fiscal space as well. And um, you know, just lastly, I think that there will be a um, increased in economic activity as uh, you know as, as a result um, you know there was a lot of businesses that were closing this year um, you know big spike in the unemployment rate um, and the economic activity generally just declined quite drastically over this year um, so the successful vaccine could mean a new start for the era of new businesses um, you know developing um, you know new ideas there was quite a bit of entrepreneurial spirits going during the lockdown. Um, And that could be a new start for um, a new set of businesses and new opportunities um, for for the market as well. Yeah, I think so. I think think 2021 is going to be the year where you look back at 2020 and say these trends have started, these ones will fall away, these ones will continue. So you have to position your portfolio accordingly in 2021 and beyond. So just give us a brief idea of how to best position your portfolio from the Brenters Wealth Aidan Freswick point of view? Well, we certainly talk about diversification quite often. Um, and I think the best way to actually position yourself is to actually speak to an advisor um, so that we can guide you on that journey. Um, you know, we, we can make sure that um, we can align your needs to, um, you know, what we have to offer at the moment in terms of uh, funds and asset allocations and of diversifying locally and offshore. So it's best to actually, you know, speak to us so that we can take a holistic view of, of your finances um, and just to, of course, guide you in, in, in the best way. You know, a lot of clients come to us and say um, say they've got a specific idea or, or they want a specific income at the end of the day once they do retire. Um, but once we do, you know, have a holistic view of, of the client's finances, you know, we just we might just reposition the idea or we'll say, you know, potentially you need to work a little bit longer um, to, to achieve that income goal at retirement, for example. Um, so it's best just to, um, you know, actually speak to us um, so that we can guide you on that journey. Exactly. Someone needs to hold your hand during these turbulent times. Aidan, thank so, you so much for your time. Have a great end of year and a good break if you are having one. That's Aidan Freswick from Brentus Wealth in the Western Cape. And that was It's My Money. It's My Money was brought to you by Brentus Wealth, an award-winning boutique wealth management company. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.